There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 802. Hey, um, I have a comedy special that's airing this weekend on Comedy Central, you guys. What? What? Fun Comfortable is airing Saturday at 10 p.m. on Comedy Central and then, um, then it, it comes out. It's available for purchase next week, but here's what I'm going to do. So this is this is going to – if you skip through the intros to get to the podcast, <laughs> then I guess it's your fault if you don't find out about this because I'm, I'm telling you right now. So here's, here's what I want to do. Um, the, the, the special that's airing Saturday – the special itself is uh, an hour 15. What's airing for television on Saturday is a 50-minute version for television. Mm-hmm. Um, what's going to be for sale next Tuesday, May 3rd – is the full hour and 15 minute show. So months ago I said to Comedy Central like, "Oh, can I just put the special out as an audio as a podcast? Can I just put it out as an episode of the podcast?" And they were like, "Well, it's a podcast." <laughs> no, they knew what a podcast was. <laughs> and and they were very they were actually really cool about it and they just said, "Well, you know, how about this? We'll let you put out like the 50 minute version oh, okay. on the podcast." So, uh this will be a uh, because ultimately you know, I want people to kind of have a try before you buy kind of a situation. And I know that, you know, if money's tight for people, I wouldn't want that to restrict them from getting, you know, the, yeah, the, the show. That's if super they, cool. If they can't watch it. Uh, and so I'm going to I'm gonna put it out as a podcast next week. But if you want the uh, – so here's what I would ask. If you listen uh, and you like it and you want to support it, yes, it would be helpful if you went and bought the you hour and 15-minute version. that uncut special. Or if you, want, or if you hear the 50-ish minute version and you, and you want a full – special the hour and 15 minute version um sh- also has some extras as well some we did a q a oh nice and then we also yeah we did some other stuff so and the show's an hour and 15 minutes long but if you listen to it you don't like it no worries you didn't waste any money and you, you know all you wasted was uh, 50 minutes of your time and i'm uh, so. i just hope this leads to a long blade runner style which is the real ending version of your new special <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I so know. was Chris a man? Was, was he, he was, oh, you son of a bitch. 
You know, people were asking me, like, I thought the next special was going to be called Son of Mandroid. I'm like, no, that's what Kyle Clark said. That's not a real thing. It's still coming soon. It doesn't yeah. have to be the second one in a row. Yeah. So um, uh, so the special, if you watch it on Saturday, uh, April 30th at uh, 10 p.m. on Comedy Central. And then it'll be available for sale, the full version, on iTunes on Tuesday, May 3rd. And then also the podcast that day. I'm going to put it out. And uh, I think as part of the deal, um, I'm only allowed to put it out for like a, a couple weeks maybe, a week or two. Get on so, that shit, everybody. Yeah, so, it'll be, so it's a limited thing. That's, what I, that's just sort of what they're, you know, I said, please let me do this. And they Are go, you going to okay. number that or give it a fun like symbol instead so it doesn't confuse Ooh. completionists later? Like Wingding. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Wingdings. 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 Episode number Wingding. Wingding. <laughs> Episode number Wingding. Yeah. So there you go. So, nope. so that's all that. And uh, hopefully this didn't come off too salesy or... Begging you Seriously, to you're giving them special. more free shit. I know, I know, I know, but I just... <laughs> Ugh, he took so much time to explain how he's broing down and giving me a free version it's of his more, thing. You know, it's more important it's to me that more to people phone. hear it. Yeah. Because the more people hear it, the more people come out. To, I want people to come to live shows because I like doing stand-up for people. So, uh, you know, and if you if you want to go buy it to support, then then I appreciate that. Uh, that is helpful with the Comedy Central. I, my, my goal is that I just want... So people to hear it. So listen to it if you like it. Share it. You know, whatever. Um, and I hope you enjoy it. It's very. Per- it was very personal to me. This one was very personal. It was. It was built around. Uh, Mike Birbiglia was on the podcast a few years back, and I'm like, "How do you? Where do you write from?" And he goes, "I go to this place where I'm really uncomfortable, and that's where I write from." And like so, a closet? No, no. <laughs> like an Iron Maiden? Yeah. Uh, no, and so that's why the special is called Fun Comfortable because I I started writing really personal. My previous special man wrote all the material, in which I can't watch chair. anymore. But it just doesn't feel that doesn't feel as per, that personal to me. And this one is very personal stories that I probably should be embarrassed to say in public. <laughs> and uh, and so that's why it's called Fun Comfortable. So it's a completely different vibe. And you know, and honestly, I'm nervous about it because it's so personal that you if people are like, like, you so like on your last oh. special, you're like, and then I jerked off, and then this time you're like, and then I jerked off and cried about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 and here's why. Here's what I was jerking off to, and here's why I was crying. God, now I want nothing more than to find out that your hour special opens with, so I'm jerking off, and then some terrible things happen. It's not that far <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, I'm intimately familiar with how you're your stand-up be, works at this point, so I, I have Calico. seen behind the curtain. You're going to be very satisfied. <laughs> you know, a lot of it was, was kind of dealing with my, my dad dying. And just being able to use comedy to sort of deal with that. Hmm. And also, you know, my dad loved it when I talked about him on stage. For five microseconds. Like, my dad loved when I talked about jerking off. <laughs> <laughs> loved it. He loved would just have me, me talk sit about down in the middle off. of the room and just be like, Chris, tell me about it again. <laughs> hey, hey, he's dead. Stop it. <laughs> Uh, but you know it's uh, so it it is like it it, it, it like I said it's, it's personal and I'm getting shy about it. So uh, let's uh, go to the Nerdist Community Corkboard to find out what other people have going. on. I got a double dose of things. The first one is DePaul University in Chicago. They're having Star Trek Day. Do what? There we go. <laughs> That's I was waiting for that. Thank you. Uh, it's on uh, Saturday, May seventh. It's free and open to the public. If you go to mcsdepaul.com, they have panels that include Star Trek and the culture of inclusivity. Uh, Klingon culture and history, and reevaluating Deep Space Nine, which makes me happy because I feel like that show gets the short end of the stick sometimes, and it's a great series. Excellent. Uh, the other one I love, it's from Alex N. And also, uh, what's his friend's name here? Uh, come on. And Ray, they are two uh, high school students inspired by the People of New York uh, Instagram. They started The Bathrooms of MHS, <laughs> and it's just them taking photos of the bathrooms of their high school. Fantastic. I love that these guys are... 
two nerds listening to the Nerdist podcast going like, we should make a funny thing that will be amusing to us. And as someone who was not unlike these two young gentlemen, I fully support you going to their Instagram at Bathrooms of MHS. <laughs> and so, I just, dude, I want this Instagram to blow the fuck up. Like, I want them to look at their numbers and go, like, holy shit, what happened? <laughs> we have like 40,000 followers. And people are just like, mm, sweet bathrooms, bro. We're out of bathrooms. <laughs> what do we do? Well, there's, you know, there's this one Instagram account that I like called I Have This Thing With Floors. And it's just really awesome like intricate Ooh, like floors that. from around the world. Oh, that's amazing. Take a picture of their feet standing on the floors, but they're fucking amazing floors. That's incredible. So this could be like a high school bathroom I, Instagram. I, I, I like love... people could just send in their own high school bathroom. My, my friend Rob Schultz's official Instagram is just cars being towed in Los Angeles. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> fucking internet. Uh, I'm glad though. I'm glad. Katie, do you have anything on the court? Yes. Uh, Martin Starr is doing an art show this Friday, April 29th at Nerd Melt Theater. And all the proceeds, he is working with this organization called Wolf Connection which uh, they help inner city kids work with wolves who were uh, abused and oh, they cool. like kind of help each other. It sounds really cool. And all the proceeds from the art will go to the wolves. And so it starts at 7 p.m. <laughs> Wait, Wait, <sorry. laughs> We're leaving a pile of money in the forest. Like, here you go, wolves. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's gonna I just go like the idea the that you cherry. see like wolves with like bowler hats <laughs> and spectacles walking around. Like, ooh, these wolves got fancy. <laughs> they're just like, are you embezzling? Well, they're wolves. Goddamn capitalist wolves. <laughs> yeah. But that is a fantastic cause, by the way. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not belittling the cause. I just think the idea of like you, you saying like, wolf. and then they give the money to the wolves. I bet the wolves and the kids, the chair. We should have thought this you know through. You can't just. <laughs> yeah, my grandpa used to say, you can't throw money at wolves. The first couple of wolves were very confused and just ate the money. <laughs> and, then, and then the person throwing it at them. Uh, Katie, what else? Oh, that's it. Okay, <laughs> yeah, starts wolves. at 7 o'clock. Go to nerdmeltla.com for more information and also find out about all the other awesome shows they have there. Yeah. This episode is uh, Nikolai Koster-Waldau, who is uh, promoting a, a show called Game of Thrones, I believe it's called. I believe it's I've Thorns. Heard of that. No, I think it's Thrones. Is it oh. Game of Thorns? What is it about? Um, I, I guess it's just a, it's like a... Uh, where they just they they have chairs fight cool have king chairs like battle fight. bots but for yeah, chairs but for finally a show for me yeah for king chairs uh, I'm kidding you know because a lot of people who have never heard of the podcast who just like Nikolai are going to listen to this and like, like what, what a bunch of fucking idiots not know about Game of Thrones it's only the most popular show in the world. Uh, yes, we know about it. We watch it. Nikolai was great. He mm-hmm. plays Jamie Lannister, uh, who is. Um, I don't know. Would you say him with he's two chaotic hands. good, or would you say he's? A, I would uh, say chaotic neutral. I don't think you can neutral. lean towards good. Right? You think? He's uh, I don't. Good. I don't know if anybody on that show can lean fully towards chaotic good. No, probably not. Here's Nerds Podcast number eight hundred and two with Nikolai Coster Waldau from Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Thrones, Thrones, Game of Thrones. Oh. Did you ever hear um, Anamanaguchi's? Uh, oh, his... yeah! Thrones, yeah! Game of Thrones, yeah! Game of Thrones, Game of fucking Thrones, Game of fucking Thrones, Game of fucking Thrones, Game of fucking... Katie, roll the thing. Now entering Nerdist.com. Chris is like Bart the Bear. Yeah, I know exactly. Park it right there. I park right there. <laughs> so great. Um, we're, we're gonna give him whipped cream if he does something really good. No, no. Yeah. Is that, broad stuff. Why was that never about, an option? We're talking about the we're talking about the bear, um, Game of Thrones, and I was saying it was 
right next to say it was parked in his trailer or cage. <laughs> for, to get it out of the cage, the whole crew had to applaud. Like, hey, Mark! Hey! <laughs> slowly, it would like... And after each take, you would have to do the same, and you would like... And then would get whipped cream. That, so the bear was that much of a narcissist that yeah. it needed to know that it was loved before it would come out. Before it even performed. Yeah. I can relate to that. Now we just got to add whipped cream to the equation, like you said, and everything's going to be amazing. I'm trying for years to add whipped cream to this equation. <laughs> I wanted to come to the premiere Sunday night, but I had to work. How, how was it? How was it? It was fun. It was great. It, you... it was big. It was enormous, I yeah. heard. But... Um, the most important part of it was, uh, I mean, episode one was just, it was the best episode one so far. It was really cool. Do you like seeing the show with that many people at one time in a crowd? Yeah. I mean, I remember, was it last year or the year before, they did like this special IMAX thing for episodes eight, nine, and ten of season four. I think it was last year. And I saw that. And it's just amazing how it holds up on the big screen. It just, it really is cinematic. And you just, you know, it's beautiful it's like a bunch of movies like every episode is a movie basically it's it was yeah and then sitting of course with a thousand people how many were in there it was it was great (laughs) were there any laughs in there were some amazing cheers yeah yeah there were like um yeah no well i can't tell you of course what wait what What? why can't you just lay it all out so what happens at the end of the season this new season that's coming up just just five minutes uh, the la- well, the end last scene is is this. Um, it's actually me, mm-hmm. uh, Jamie. He opens this variety show. Oh, that's a great idea! Yeah. And he has finally he comes out uh, in drag. Yeah, that's uh, been his dream forever. the entire time. Yeah, yeah. And he does sings- he call it Stumpies? Because I think that'd be a great name. He doesn't call it Stumpies, okay. but but uh, that's what his dancers are called. Though. That's what the, exactly it's the Lannister uh, the Stumpy dancers. And then he has this beautiful song, uh, very emotional. <laughs> you know, people would watch the shit out of that. You're I, joking. People would watch that. I would watch it. Yeah, oh, I, I would. I've totally, been pitching that every year, but, but they still just aren't. No. Funny or die, or a nerdist, if you will, should if you will produce a. Game of Thrones variety, 70s variety show, as though it took place. It would be great. That's a fantastic idea. You mean kind of like the Brady Bunch family hour yes. type situation? Yeah, or your Johnny Cash variety or right. you know, Donnie well, we and Marie. We did that thing, uh, Coldplay did that. I don't know if you saw that. They did like for um, this charity, we did a, a musical version of Game of Thrones. And I think that worked really well. I think I think there's so much potential. I think as long as you're all willing to do it, oh, absolutely. I don't see any reason why the world wants it. The world wants all, it. To you happen. could do it with all. You could have like a, a show with all the the dead people. This game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> variety show with all the dead ones. So many of them. And the one thing I know is that once an actor's been killed off a show, they definitely want to come back. Exactly. So I think I, I don't see any reason why it couldn't. I mean, it, they'd figure out a way to have Sean Bean die in that variety show again, <laughs> again, exactly. Oh yeah, <laughs> he has to die, but that's in his contract. He has to. I think Sean Bean would have to survive the entire variety show, and then at the and be like scaffolding. Hey guys, I made it. And then like Boom. something falls yeah. out of the yeah, yeah and then like takes his head off, and then it's all and then the credits. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. I know. Uh, I I'm I actually did not know for a long time that you uh, were Danish. It was I your 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 accent work is fantastic. Well, good. That's good. It is good. Yeah. But then I remembered that I had also seen you in Nightwatch. 
Oh, really? Yes, I loved Nightwatch. The glory days. Nightwatch was fucking awesome. Yeah, that was my first job. That was your first job? Yeah. That's a long time ago. I actually, they redid it with Ewan McGregor, and then I worked with him on, on Black Hawk Down, and he made me promise not to watch it. <laughs> Which uh, I had a few that I could like add to my list. Okay, well you don't watch all these then. <laughs> That's so sweet. The yeah. Ewan McGregor didn't want. Did he just? He was just like your version was better. We should just stick with well, that. Well, I, well, I, I, maybe he was just being nice. But I think he he didn't have the best experience on that. Mm-hmm. It's always weird. It's it's. It, I think the pro. I mean the the director chose to direct it uh, the remake himself, and I think that was a mistake. Because then he would just kind of want Ewan McGregor to do what I did, which is a horrible situation to be in as an actor. Sure. Where he's kind of showing him. Could you? I thought we all learned that from Gus Van Sant's Psycho. That you didn't need oh, to just do a shot for shot remake. remake. They did it pretty well That's the first true. time. <laughs> yeah. It was okay. Yeah. The first time. There's a reason. He does good will I know he like, was a little unknown, that director, but still. It's crazy. I mean, <laughs> come on. They're like, you can do anything you want, Gus. And he's like, I want to do a shot for shot remake of... Psycho. I mean, that's yeah, basically amazing. just like that's like that's like a director's version of karaoke. You're just totally, yeah. <laughs> that's basically well, all if it you is. remake, remake, just do a bad one, right? Yeah. Don't, yeah, don't do the great ones. Yeah, no, remake bad movies. Yeah, that's it, like, okay. It didn't quite, you know, mm, no, it didn't. It's a good idea, but we can we can make this better. But or oh, like yeah. a zero hour turned into airplane. Yeah, you could totally do that. Just do that. Do a comedy version of Psycho. Or let's just start hitting all of the Police Academy sequels. Like let's <laughs> let's go in and work there. I would fucking love if next season of like Bosch. <laughs> Are you doing Michael Winslow? Yeah, remember that. <laughs> I wanted to learn to do that for. So I would watch long. A, proce- the a procedural that would every episode was the plot of the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth Police Academy movies as a procedural. Was it that many? Did they make that? Oh, many? there sure were. I think there's a seventh one as a comedy or just like as a as serious, a serious straight like they did oh, yeah. with Teen yeah, Wolf. Yeah, yeah, like Citizens on Patrol. They're gonna have to like like they did with Teen yeah, Wolf on MTV. Yeah, basically, absolutely. just yeah. yeah. But did you? But then it just becomes Law and Order. I know, but there could still be a guy that makes those noises. With his mouth. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> I love that you. I love that you know Police Academy and, and Michael Winslow because I don't. What so when you were growing up, like how much of your entertainment consumption in a pre-internet era was Danish based, or even, or how much did you get from like Germany or Sweden or, or? very little? Uh, most of it was was American. And you guys, you just you infect the whole. <laughs> we do. We're a virus. It's uh, it's uh, but, uh, American English. Yeah. American English. So does so is so English is a pretty wide. I mean, you go to Europe and you realize, oh yeah, well, a lot of people speak multiple languages because it's such a you have to you yeah. have to yeah. in order to communicate. Yeah. So uh, I remember the first show I, I I saw and I remember was American show. At least the one I remember was Soap. Oh, the <laughs> best. Yes, yes, Richard Mulligan. Oh, I loved that. Yes, when he thought he was invisible. I know. <laughs> it's just, it's just a great idea. <laughs> that show, that's got to be somewhere on the internet, right? Somewhere, Soap must be somewhere. I think for a little while it was on Amazon Prime. Streaming. Now that's something i got to go buy. Yeah, you're right. Soap was amazing. That was amazing. What was your imp- so what was your impression of America before you came? Oh, I, first time I came, <laughs> it was funny. I was, I was uh, I'd done a... Um, uh, a short film with a friend who was at the time at the, the film school. I was at the theater school in Copenhagen. Went out, and he wanted to. We went to New York, and he wanted to kind of. He rented a, a cinema. Now he, you know, we were gonna get agents. It was all gonna happen. <laughs> but it was it was amazing. And we were staying with a friend of his uh, right around the corner from Christopher Street. And I remember I was thinking, wow, they're so. 
everything is so environmentally conscious in this country because there was all these rainbow-colored flags. And yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> and so many men that yeah. are so well-groomed and, yeah. and nice to me. <laughs> so that was, the, that was the first thing. And then I remember being really disappointed going to Planet Hollywood. And I saw... <laughs> Robert, this is not a planet? I saw Robert De Niro's... Oh, was it... Yeah, it was, I think it was Robert De Niro's... Uh, it was supposed to be his, the jacket he wore in Taxi Driver. Right. And I was looking at it, and I was like... Because I loved that movie. And I was like, that's not the jacket. You knew that wasn't the jacket. That's not the jacket. And it Shots was just fired yeah. at the Planet Hollywood so I was like already there. I was like, wow, really? They would not put up the real one? <laughs> so you're saying that... Uh, are you saying America is a facade? Uh, a lie, perhaps? Yeah, I'm not surprised, actually. No, but I think w- most people would not recognize that who went into Planet Hollywood. No, probably not. But then... Um, uh, and then what else did I do? I went up inside the Statue of Liberty, which was really cool. I don't think I've ever done... Have you ever done that? Can you do that anymore? I think you can again. Okay. I had never done it. No, I've never done it. I was actually, because oh, my friend is out, the friend, the director, he's out here now. We're actually going to do a movie together here. Um, and he, um, I, was fa- I found these old pictures. And it was kind of, you know, that's, you know the time has passed. When you see that picture of us going back on the boat from, from, from you know, the Statue of Liberty. And we're so happy. And just behind us, you have the World Trade Center. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like so eerie. You go, yeah. oh, shit. Wow. Yeah, the world has changed a lot. I mean, immediately changed yeah. a lot. Uh, and it's also kind of strange to think how long ago that was. How long ago it was. I, mean, I know. Like 15 years. Yeah. But it still feels like, oh, well, that's... Well, just, it's so present. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what is a... I've never been to Denmark. Always wanted to go to Denmark. Mm-hmm. What is the best way to do Denmark if you're going? Is Did you go to Copenhagen and just like fan out from there? Or is it... Copenhagen is a great city. You go there in the summer and it's it's light, you know, until midnight, and then you have two hours of darkness, and then the sun comes up. So it's it's there's um, there's a great if you like to go out, there's a lot to do. Yeah, great bars, great restaurants. People speak your language. <laughs> <laughs> I would try to learn some Danish so I wouldn't be the American who's forcing everyone to speak English. Well, no, you'd be the American who's speaking poor Danish. Yeah, I'd be, but at least I'd be trying. <laughs> I feel like I would get credit. Would you prefer someone try to speak it's the language? It's always nice. Wherever you go, isn't it? It's nice to just have a few words in the bag and you kind of go, oh, that's nice. You tried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you butcher my, my, my language, but it's, it's, it's a nice. You make an effort. I did. I, I tried. I tried. I tried to speak German when we went to Austria, and then, you know, I would get through a couple, the and first... Do you remember anything? Of course I remember. I, I remember saying, uh, <laughs> Ich kann kein Deutsche. Ich kann kein Deutsche sprechen. Ich kann kein Deutsche sprechen. So which basically... I just, don't speak any German. I don't speak any German no. right off the bat, which was a little bit endearing yeah. of me saying that in the language. Yeah. But then, you know, we... I would... I, I had some basic stuff down. And also, don't you find that... People like Americans, right? I don't think so. In Europe, I always find, in, in, at least in Denmark, that it, it's kind of cool to to be American there. I think the, I th- I kind of thought we were viewed as these like uh, these very loud, obnoxious cowboy types who were very America centric. I didn't I didn't find that it, there were only parts of France and then maybe Venice. In it, it, where I felt like you felt the love. I did not feel the love. Where I, I felt, was going to say in France, really? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> in most places, I think it's more like 
I, I sort of felt like a, like a curious endangered like like an animal that they didn't you know like oh you're american that's very interesting you know almost like how adorable you know you guys seem like you got some shit to work out but i didn't really feel i didn't get the sense of like look at these american but you know nor why why should i we get special treatment everywhere so it didn't really it didn't really bother me it was just more like oh yeah yeah uh, we're american and you know yeah i hope that's okay and you know but uh i i think a lot of us America is, is geographically so able to be America-centric yeah. that I think a lot of people are conditioned when they go other places. Like, well, why can't they just – why can't they put a McDonald's in the – you know. Well, yeah. they did. Well, no, they, just, they kind of did. <laughs> I remember I was in Moscow in 92, and the first McDonald's had opened up. I was at drama school, and it was so bizarre because, you know, the whole – Perestroika glasnost had just happened. Right. Gorbachev was still in power. But there was this one McDonald's that had opened. And the, the, it was just terrible because the line of people just went around the block to get into McDonald's. Oh, my God. To have a hamburger. Did you have one? I did not. You did not wait in line? No. Well, that's like Shake Shack and. West Hollywood now. <laughs> it's exactly it's like exact- that. Shake Shack in West Hollywood is exactly like the Glasnost era McDonald's in Moscow <laughs> in 92. You think I'm kidding, but if you drive by at any time of day, there's a three-hour line. Really? I'm getting nods over here. They agree. What Thank is this guys. place? I don't know this place. Shake Shack is a – it started in New York. It's just a burger fry place, and it's they special. finally opened one up on the West Coast. So all the, what that means is there's an act, as long as they're open. All the New Yorkers a, are going there. It's like, oh, there is, is a line. Home. It's ridiculous. But the difference is that those people in Shake Shack have never heard of a fucking Shake Shack before. Like McDonald's in that era in yeah. Russia was like it was such a big. The I don't know, Chris. Shift. I think the political shift to get that Shake Shack in West Hollywood is very similar to Perestroika. They, okay, I think you're. Okay, I'm sorry. I hadn't thought it through. Yeah, that. thank you. Yeah, yeah, he's absolutely right. I'm so sorry. Okay. I hadn't thought it through. I appreciate it. That's a one, so when you, so when you're going to drama school in Moscow, are you are you doing plays in Russian? Or? No, no. I was I was in Denmark, but we did this exchange. Oh, gotcha. With with students there, so they came to to us first, and they, I had this little one bedroom apartment. I had two guys stay with me, and. Uh, I was such an idiot. I was I was 19 years old, so the first thing I thought I was going to do, I'm, hmm, I'm, I'm going to take them to a mall. And I just remember walking them through this horrible place and, and just seeing their faces going, you could tell they were going, why is he taking us here? <laughs> Does he really want us to be impressed by this shit? And I just dragged them out. And, sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. This is where we buy a lot of things at the same time that we don't need. <laughs> no, I know. But then the funny thing, when I came back to Moscow, they took me to a mall on the Red Square, which is called Gum, I think. It's still there. But that was also – that was actually interesting because it was basically at the time – Empty. So you there's like every store had like three items you could buy or look at, but it was so weird and depressing. Oh, wow. Why was it was it so empty? It was just people it just didn't have anything to sell. They didn't have anything to sell. It's Perestroga, just like West Hollywood's. Right, but Shake it's Shake. just <laughs> exactly like Shake Shack. Yeah. I mean, come on. Chris, I mean, <laughs> the parallels the are obvious. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you if you look at it from any angle, <laughs> I mean, they're they're relatively identical. I don't know. Uh so when did you when did you think that this was something that you could do, like that you, you could make a living as an actor? If, if, if there was not a ton of Danish-centric entertainment, did you think, well, I'm going oh, to no, America? I'm, I don't know. I always wanted to be an actor. I don't know why. But it was, it's, you know, I guess as a kid, I always 
you know, pretended to be something else. And I guess there's a mix when you're a kid of, of escapism, you know, into your own world. I was, I was, you know, I spent a lot of time on my own. I was making up the, all these weird stories where I would act out. Usually I would be some kind of guy who became world champion mm -hmm. in something. <laughs> but then, but then all world the... World champion uh, of fly fishing. The shows, I, I mean, I wanted to be an actor. And, and you know, so this, but the shows, of course, there were Danish shows as well and, and Danish actors. That, that was, you know, the ones I, I, I looked up to. But the movies I saw and, 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 uh, and the, 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 the series like, like Soap or later was Hill Street Blues. And yeah. I thought, wow, that's so cool. And then I think, um, so I guess in the back of my head, the dream was, imagine if I could work in English, in, in England or America. It just seemed like impossible. But I remember actually that whole thing about you understand how similar we are, how we all, we kind of share the same human experience, no matter who we are, what country we live in. I saw Once Upon a Time in America with um, uh, Sergio Leone's movie with, De Niro, and I remember yeah. there's this horrible, horrible scene. He's in love with this girl, and he takes her out to, I think it's Coney Island. I don't know. It, it the Hamptons. This, this, and, and he opens up this, this, this hotel, and there's a band playing, and he finally he, he asks her to marry him, and and then she says that's really nice, but no. And then he does this horrible, he does a horrible thing. But anyway, my point of the whole thing is. I saw that movie and I identified 100% with this kid who was a gangster, turn of the century New York. And I remember thinking, that's amazing. I mean, how does that work? How can I, I live in a village of 40 people in Denmark and I, I, I share this guy's everything about him. I, I understand it. And I just thought, wow, I want to do what he does. I mean, I want to tell stories where people can get carried away and you know because I, I I know nothing I mean there's nothing better for me than to watch a great movie a television show that thing about the great ones where you're entertained you have fun and then at the same time you kind of it makes you reflect yeah on life so um so yeah and of course I was a teenager then but then later on I, I started you know I, I moved to Copenhagen you know when I was 17 I left home and you know, I moved to Copenhagen, and then I thought I'd apply at the National Theatre School, and then for some, I got accepted, and then suddenly I thought, oh, this can actually happen. What was the primary, what do people do in the village that you're from? Like, is there a primary? Well, it's a farming, 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 farming community, village. yeah. Like, it's a village that's built around a big, old, huge farm, and then these, the houses that used to be for the workers, and now, I mean, my mom was a librarian, so. That's amazing. Is it? Livestock or crops or what are they, what are they Both, farming? Yeah, the whole thing. So you could there was an alternate universe where you're still there. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I mean to be honest, I would love to be, but that never happened. I know I I I had jobs at the farm. I would help out, um, but uh, but it was never my passion. But I I'm, I'm you know I think it's funny thing how how you know you talk about differences in in people from different countries. I think there's a much much bigger difference between people who grow up in the countryside or people who grow up in a big city. I think you have more in common if you grow up in a big city. You have more in common with someone from from London or Paris, sure. or the same for me. I mean, I, you can relate in a different way. Um, just to go back to that whole thing about you know yeah. human experiences, kind of. Are people? Uh 
are, are people from your village impressed by what you're doing? Are they like, well, it's nice, but it's not real farming work? I mean, well, I don't, I don't go back. I haven't been back for for years and years and years. So. Um, I think they're okay with that. I mean, I think the whole thing... I never told anyone I wanted to be an actor. I didn't tell my family until I was accepted because it seemed, like, impossible. And why... why I've always had been that kind of thing. I don't want to say things out loud in case sure. they don't... Which is silly in a way. In case they don't happen? Well, it's, it's kind of the, the opposite. I think if you talk about culture in America, it's kind of the opposite. It's so... People always tell you they're going to go and do great, great things, which I, you know, which is, is great to do because you, know, you set yourself goals out loud. Sure. And very often they won't happen. Sometimes they do. Where in Denmark, it's kind of frowned upon a little bit. Like, who do you think you are, man? You're just a little kid in a village. You're not going to leave this place. So you, you have to just go do it. You have to just, you just go have do to it. do it. Yeah. Action speaks louder. I knew words. I was going to do this, but I didn't want to tell any of you guys. Yeah, so, sure you so, did. So surprise, surprise. But do you, do you envision yourself ever just going back there and living and... Not there, no. No, I don't know. I'd like to... I mean, who knows? Who knows? I mean, I, my wife's from... It's kind of similar. She, she's from Greenland. And she okay. grew up way up north, basically on the ice and from a small community. So we, and now we live in a, in, a, in a city. So I think both of us would like at one point to maybe move out of the city. But who knows? Yeah, I know, and, and there's st- and you're you're just in the, you're in the middle of this thing. I mean, this it, it's a, the thing that happens with that sh- the thing that's happening with your show is is a very rare yeah no it's, it's um, a very rare thing and it's yeah. a, the the fan base is uh, very rabid. I mean, people people love. Well, don't you think? Because I mean, the thing that I mean, the last five years, the whole being a fan following shows I mean, has just changed mm-hmm. so much because I mean I you know I'm not an expert and, and but but it seems like the online community is is so intense and there are so many outlets there's so many ways to meet and discuss shows or art or whatever um and you know you have the comic cons around the world that are just massive now and it it it's kind of gone from being a, like a niche thing that to being like Everybody and loves talking about shows and being passionate about shows and being yeah. really into it. And it's it's no longer a uh, what a, a weird group of people, but it's no. everybody. Well, it's also it, it went from being entertainment to becoming a lifestyle. Like people, yeah. it is a it is a legitimate lifestyle. And I know because uh, I I host a show that follows Walking Dead that kind of talks about oh, yeah. Walking Dead and now they're going to do they're going to do yeah, something for that. Game of Thrones at the same time which is not surprising to me at all because when you have a show like that that has so many characters and so many storylines and so much really intense I mean there are some there are scenes from Game of Thrones that still sometimes when I'm lying in bed at night like uh, disturb me like are haunting yeah um, so it's not surprising to me I think people just throw a lot of their identity into a into a show yeah. and they need to talk about it with it but it is it is it is a testament to the sense of community that humans need no matter yeah. what the community is no absolutely is. and i yeah. think that also just the fact that with all the streaming the way you can you can kind of go and watch the whole story like like 10 episodes in one go and then you get filled up i mean you could really filled up with this story that you have to share it yeah you know it's it's not just uh, did you see that show? I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a much bigger thing. 
And, and I find that I myself with my, my, my daughters, they have the same thing. They connect to shows and, 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 you know, I'll watch a show with my oldest and we'll, you know, we'll get into discussion about it. It's, it's really cool. What does she like to watch? We've been watching together Orange is New Black. Oh, nice. Yeah. Which were the, in, in the beginning, I was a little, because I hadn't seen it, and she said, uh, my friends told me I should watch. Then I said, oh, let's do this. And then I think one of the first scenes was like two girls making out. Like, and I was like, oh, and of course, she's absolutely fine with this. She's 15, and I'm just being weird now. So right. I just not comment on this. So it's totally fine. It's so it's totally fine, fine. yeah. Do, uh, why do you think, Jamie is one of the, Jamie's a character that on paper, people should root against him. Yeah. But they don't. You love. You really love him, even though he does really horrible things. So what is the what is it about him that you think people? Well, it's good writing, but also he's a human being, and I think for all the characters, they're three dimensional. And I think it's one of those things. I like to. I mean, I usually when people ask me about it, I say, well, what about if 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 you pick one moment in your life where you did something horrible, mm-hmm. and then you start the movie about you that moment? Yeah, it's going to take a while before you kind of realize. <laughs> hey, maybe he's not just. A jerk. He's actually a good guy. Or you find out in Jamie's case, you find out well, the reason he did push that kid out the window <laughs> is because he's trying to, to protect his family. And yes, he is having a weird relationship with his sister, but apparently, it's he actually loves her. It's it's a genuine thing. It's not just because he's a psycho, but he act. It, it's you know he comes from. I'm not say a good place, but his motivations are clear, and you can relate to them. And he has an honesty about him that I think is is um, interesting. And he's smart. I mean, he knows how to use that uh, his intelligence when he's confronted with with uh, with characters that don't like him. Yeah. And I think that sense of you know, I think at the core of him, that whole thing about him feeling um, everybody has an opinion on him in this world. He's the Kingslayer. So he walks into a room and everyone has a preconceived opinion and he's a bad guy. And I think we can all relate to that. There's nothing worse than when people just assume they know who you are. Right. No matter what you say. Well, well Chris Hardwick, yeah, you're from the Nerdist. You're a nerd. Yeah. That's what you are. You're nothing else. That's what you are. And right. that's really well, you'd be correct. And you'd be correct. <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean. Not if you and read I, it. Uh, <laughs> no. But, it, <laughs> but, if you, but the other thing too is that it really it, – it puts you in the environment – when you start considering the environmental factors in these characters' yeah. lives, it's actually not that surprising. And it's really – I think there's a really interesting family dynamic study of psychology with having this kind of domineering asshole for a father and how three yeah. children essentially express – like how they process that and express yeah. that, you know, a, a favorite, a daughter who was not you – know. Yeah, and then an, an, a son who's – who's kind of basically blamed for the death of, of the mother and, and the wife. Right. I mean, it's not great. Right. It's not a great starting point for, you know, to grow up in that situation. No, no, no. no. So I, so actually, I think everyone probably does surprisingly well with the environment that was, that was put before yeah. them. Yeah. What do you think, uh, what do you think it was about him that kind of gave, did was he always? Did he always have that humanity, or do you think he had to learn to grow it? Well, I, th- I think it was always there, and I think that it, it it's one of those funny things that, which is so great about doing a show that lasts for so long that you actually suddenly you have time to to get to know a character because first in the first season you kind of just see him 
his actions. You don't really hear him talk that much about himself or, you know, other than he just comes out, he shows up and he's a bit of an arrogant prick. Yeah. And you go, ooh. But he, he might be funny, but he's still arrogant. I think the first, for me, the, I mean, there was a few moments in season one. There's a scene with Ned Stark when Ned Stark comes to King's Landing where they have a scene where he's actually starting to kind of, he's asking him, would you like to thank me, basically? Because I kind of safe you know the truth and that stark says you're just an asshole move away and i think i mean i just think it's the writing and it's the character and then um, you i think with all the characters you always know there's more to it than just what meets the surface right and uh and i knew when i read the script and when i spoke to the guys they told me about the first three seasons and i thought that they told me how it would end those three seasons that arc would end with him um, in the bathtub with Brienne of Tarth and that finally telling the truth about what happened when he stabbed the Mad King. And I thought that's such an interesting journey because, as you said, you you see him first and you just go, what a horrible person. And then later you realize, oh, my God, he's actually saved hundreds of thousands of people's lives. That's interesting. And it's interesting to start, you know, I just love the first moment when you when you see him having sex with his sister and he tries to kill a <laughs> a innocent kid and then he says the things I do for love that it just there's just a conflict with the words and the action which is really interesting yeah yeah it is it is it's all of the characters I very very layered and it and it's a type of thing where well like like my, my the worst scene for me in the whole season all the seasons was last year when uh, the princess Shireen was burned on the stake and you you know that thing you've you've established what's his name uh, the king her father. See, I should know all these names. Oh, I just say King King guy. The King King guy. But he was kind of, he was like, the, he was supposed to be, he's, he was the good guy, the reasonable, the, the, the true heir to the throne, all that. He was a good guy. And still, he burned his daughter on the stake yeah. because he thought that would be the right thing to do. Yeah. And uh, that's interesting. And that's really ultimately when you kind of strip everything away. Everyone's relatable. I mean, who hasn't wanted to kick a kid exactly. out the window? <laughs> We've all been around a kid who's kind of a dick, and you're like, oh, there's a window. Uh, I know. <laughs> My sister's back there. She's waiting for it. I mean, I got I to do it. What I got to do? What am I going to do? What choice do I have? Well, didn't you have like a politician who was talking about his daughter saying... Oh, you mean Trump? No, no, we don't have a politician. If he wasn't, my, a if he wasn't my, if she wasn't my daughter, I, yeah, I'd yeah, yeah, go yeah, out with her. yeah, yeah. We have, we have, we have Trump. <sighs> we have Trump because our country is a reality show, and uh, hopefully uh, he'll get elected, and Honey Boo Boo will be vice president. <laughs> hey, uh, too young, Chris. Too young. Too young. Doesn't no, work. I'm sorry. <laughs> do we do have a constitution? We do. Okay, have a constitution yeah, we do. Let's, come on, hashtag America. But but I now, think, Mama Boo Boo. But. <laughs> She's totally qualified. Yeah, totally. I just can't wait to see the uh, the national do you, pageant. Do you then feel like like here in this town because you this is more democrat territory here, right? So you would go, wow, why would they? Vote Hollywood's pretty liberal, for, except for the why people would you that vote run the for money, Trump? If you know and then what I mean. you oh, go Jesus. back a little in time, you go, wow, but you did elect the Terminator. We <laughs> well, I think uh, I don't think California. I think California might be a red state. Actually, no, it's a blue state. are you sure? It's blue. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I yeah. think I know you're nodding, but 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 San Francisco and Los Angeles are not representative of the rest of the yes, state, which is also, a very large state. But the population density in LA and uh, San Francisco carries the ballot always. 
There's 13 million people in Los Angeles. Mm, yeah, That's for some reason, I thought, it was, I thought it was closer than people thought it was. No. I thought it, I think There it are is. large large swaths of rural farm, as you can yeah. see when you drive up the five. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure the 45 people that live there vote Republican. <laughs> <laughs> San Diego's pretty big. Orange County's pretty big, too. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it. I, I think uh, ultimately it is kind of a stra- – it's a very strange time for us politically because it's just – What's happening right now, I think, is even a complete puzzlement to political experts in our country. So I can't even imagine what. Well, you know what's interesting? Oh, maybe we shouldn't talk about politics, but I just think it's interesting because, in a way, on both sides of the aisle, the same thing is happening. People are fed up with there's there's an anger, yeah, because there's too much spin, right? Mm -hmm. You never really believe what people are saying because you feel that they're just saying what they think you want to hear. I agree with everything you're saying. Exactly. So now you have a guy who shows up and he just speaks his mind. And sometimes it's just crazy, but it's, it's almost liberating in a right way. And the same on the other side. You have a person, Bernie Sanders, Bernie, yeah. he believes in what he says. There's no, you kind of believe that he believes, right? Yeah. I mean, and that I think is, strangely enough, almost enough. It doesn't seem that people care too much about going into the actual They just want to feel like politics. they're not being... It's not to. about qualifications or if they'd be good at the job. Well, it's interesting. Though. It's about you know what do I like? The, the it's about feelings. It's about like. Yeah. Well, and this is a generation that has grown up. You know, like we've had reality television as a part of our culture yeah, for yeah. twenty five years now, and so. Well, it's the same in Europe. We, we, I think, the first Big Brother was in Holland, so we've had that whole thing. And I think, but I, but I also think that our. You know what do you call it? We don't we don't want to spend too much. Everything is so short. Tweets are so short. Everything is like you want information in just a headline. Yeah, and yeah. that's enough. And that's a fucking problem. And that is a huge problem. People don't really care. I think most people don't really care what the truth on either side is, as long as it's in kind of a digestible form. So they can go, oh, okay, well, that's all the information I need. Like, no, it isn't. You really should do a little more work and dig a little bit deeper. And that goes not just politics, but also regular news and fandom and, Uh, you know, like just people seeing headlines and reacting to headlines without actually looking at the – I mean, I beg – I kind of beg people now when I see – if people either come at me aggressively or I see them go at someone else aggressively, I'm like, just have a conversation. But that's the thing. Now, to get back to Thrones, like, uh, for example, we had that, uh, me and Cersei had a very controversial scene, as it was. Yes. But then when you explain what, you're, what you were doing, what we were trying to do, that doesn't matter. Because it's not a conversation. It's a statement. Right. You know, it's suddenly you realize, well, this is not, nobody really wants to know anything because... It's more exciting just to stay with the, with the headline, with the anger, right? So whatever you say, I do doesn't matter because because the truth is the truth, and it didn't seem like that to you guys when you were making it. Well, it's never there was never what we thought. We thought it was very complex and very, com- and we were hoping that. And I think actually most people would understand that clearly this couple had had a long history of, of a very very weird relationship and a, a situation where they. F- that this whole relationship has been secret, so they've been they've had to grab those moments, as they did in episode one. Yeah. Suddenly, well, we gotta have sex. This is it. Yeah. Um, and two persons in extreme pain. They lost a son, and suddenly they just need each other for in a, and it becomes a very physical thing. I thought that was really interesting. 
And I love the fact that there's debate and, and stuff. But it, that whole thing about if you started to – I didn't do, but when I saw people online try to argue something else, and you kind of go, whoa, wow, that's that's dark. That's not what you were intending. No, and also you kind of go, well, why do you like the show? You want to discuss it or you just want to be angry? When you strip away the filter of um, everyone's trying to basically take over the entire world, it's it's about – the, and the thing that's so fascinating is just that simple story of it's a large group of people who are all doing what they think is the right thing. Exactly. And that's it. They are all doing what they feel. And it's very similar to what's happening exactly. in the political exactly system. exactly the same. Everyone is con- has pure conviction that the way that they're going about, that what they're doing is right, and the way that they have to go about that to achieve that is justified based on what they think needs to and happen. And for some weird reason, the persons that actually are th- – they- that are out there who are saying, well, listen, wouldn't it be better if we just tried to meet in the middle or, like, let's try to discuss this? They're just drowned out. Yeah. <laughs> There's absolutely nobody wants to – why would you, you talk? You usually get killed on your show. Yeah, you – The yeah. talkers. <laughs> Don't. That's horrible. Discussion? No. No. I always, I always want people to have conversations, even if they don't agree. At least if you try to understand where someone's coming from, it's, it's just as a, it, it's a more. It's very difficult to hate someone unless they're complete. But when you actually have a conversation, right? It's difficult to be so. It's the same with the text emails. Yeah, I made the mistake myself. Sometimes you can get really pissed off, and you send an email. Which where you suddenly you find yourself typing something which when you then read it later, oh, that was a little too much. And something that you would never say to a person's face. Because you're interfacing with a machine and there's exactly. a, it's, it's, deep, yeah. it's not personal. And then, or you have the people that are suddenly caught being like really aggressive online. Yeah. You know, and then someone says, were you the one who said that you wanted to – you wanted to kill all these people because they come from another country. Yeah, well, yeah, but well, I didn't mean like that. I, just, I was just, yeah, I was just upset. That's why I have a rule where I try not to email or or send anything out. When... I actually, I actually have a funny one I did what? once. This was my first, my second movie. I I, I co-wrote it and I I uh, I played one of the leads with uh, me and you know Matt Mickelson, Danish uh, actor. Oh, well. okay, yeah. Um, anyway, um. Hannibal. He did. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, we shot this in Iceland. It, it was it was very dear to me. I was very I was so invested in this movie, and uh, we got some great reviews. But then there was one paper, and it, it was just a horrible review. And this is this is way back. This is the back when you had fax machines. <laughs> and I sat down and I wrote a, a, the a, angriest, a, a, the angriest. Like I basically I hope you burn in hell, you maggot. And I put it in the machine and I found the number and I sent it and I remember seeing it go through and I was like oh no <laughs> and, 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 and then I forgot about it but then um, I don't know 15 years later I'm, I'm, I'm a guest host on, on this uh, show in Denmark on like a on what's up in the movies like that kind of show and I'm talking to them and they this story comes up and then they find the journalist and he said, "Well, it's funny because it was it was we had so much fun out of that fax. It was on our wall for ten years. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt like such a. I, but I, I learned a lesson. Don't don't take it personally. The, the the trick is write the thing that you feel and don't send it. Don't send it. Read it a day later. See if you still feel that yeah. way. 
Because it's very hard to understand how you're coming off when you're in an emotional state. Exactly. Because everything's very, very Or, you know, if, if, if you have a wife or... Fiancé, yeah. Fiancé, you yeah. know, if, if you ever have a fight or anything, if that thing when you can come into the texts... Oh, yeah. Angry texts. Bad oh, idea. And then you read them the next day, go, oh, no. oh I didn't mean it that way. Oh, so. that's yeah. so bad. I've actually gotten... And you always end up the age of seven. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. When it when you get to the point where it becomes like uh, when you're communicating with someone and it be, just becomes like a name calling match, it's yeah. like, well, you're not even. And the, remember what you did two years ago? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The goal should be to understand, not to just not to just bark at people. Yeah. But it's very hard because you know no, it is hard. You you know people. It's it's a very weird time. It's a very tumultuous time in our in human history. And I think people are just they're carrying a lot of, around a lot of anxiety all the time. So when they see something or something triggers, yeah, you're getting the weight of. All that, everything from the from the last time that they had a were able to kind of blow off steam to then. Yeah. So it is. I really do. I really do try. I really do try sometimes, and it's very hard. It is hard. It's very hard. Do you? Are you? I know you're on Twitter, but are you pretty active on social media? No, no. I'm trying to 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 learn, but I, I I'm I'm I'm. I'm I mean, it's funny. It's, just, it's funny how sometimes you get these tweets where people clearly try to get some kind of angry response or something, which is I think that movie you did just sucked. It's the worst (laughs) piece of shit I've ever seen. What do you think about that? (laughs) And then you don't reply. I know you've read this. Why the fuck don't you reply? (laughs) And then suddenly you're in an Eminem song or, you know, it's weird. (laughs) But for the most part, it's, you know, I, you know, I, I try to reply sometimes and then, and you know, as you know, ninety nine percent is really nice and, and interesting. And were you emotionally prepared for the kind of explosion that Thrones had on the culture? I mean, did you when you were when you were doing it? Were you think oh, I think people are probably going to like this show? I mean, do you have any idea? I know. How- I, I we had no idea because you're you're secluded. You're shooting this in the middle of. Nowhere. I know exactly, and it seemed like it was funny because when you told friends in the business about it. And it was just a classic because I know that feeling as an actor. There's nothing you love your fellow friends and actors to do well, but not too well. (laughs) 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 But you know that thing. It's like I love. He's so good. It's oh man, really? You got the lead in Star Wars? That's amazing for you. I'm so happy for you. And it's a little hurt. I mean, you're happy for them, but it also hurts a little. We're human beings. Yeah. Um, And so I remember telling friends, I've got this. I I got a really great part on this HBO show, and I could see they were really happy for me, and I could also see that they died a little bit inside. (laughs) But then they said, "So what is it?" And they were like, they were fearing to hear like it was like a gangster story or something. And then you said, "No, it's this fantasy show with dragons and shit." <laughs> and, and, and I, could, I can't believe that wasn't on the poster. By and the way. they got so happy, and they were like, "That's amazing!" Because they thought it was going to tank. Of course, yeah, um, yeah. Humans are the only animal that I, I believe. I'm sure I'll get corrected if I'm wrong. I believe humans are the only animal that process relative gains. Most <laughs> other animals just be like, "Well, I have this, and that's enough, and you have that, yeah. so that's fine. I don't need." But humans are the only one that's like, "Hey, I got all." Oh, he's got like 10% more. Oh, no. oh, suddenly this is not that nice. Yeah, which is basically Game of Thrones. Exactly. <laughs> it's all about relative gains. All these people have kingdoms, but they want more kingdoms. They want, they more. want that one crown. They yeah. want that one crown. It's exactly that. But anyway, so I, I love the script. I didn't know the books, but I love the scripts. And I, and I, but I also thought this is there's no way you can pull this off because it's so... I mean, not no way, but I thought it was going to be very challenging for them to 
just shoot this show and, and so many characters and how you're going to be able to navigate as an audience. Um, so when it did succeed, I was uh, surprised. And I, I in Denmark, it didn't. It only aired on a very small pay channel. Nobody really saw it. So it wasn't until I, I mean, I, heard, I you know, I was told that it was doing really well, of course. But then we came out after season one to to Comic Con in San Diego, and that it kind of made me realize that it was doing more than okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the. I think I remember the first year you guys were at Comic Con, and wherever you would, if you'd like see one of you walk to the Hard Rock Hotel, you know, I mean, like it was a big. It was it was it was an interesting immediate cosplay that year, immediate character cosplay from from <laughs> that show. But then, what's so cool is that it's a terrible thing to cosplay as because they dress so warm. <laughs> and San Diego in July is not. People don't take that into consideration. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, I was actually, but the funny thing then I was just in. Um, I was in for the first time ever in, in 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 Dubai in the Middle East. They have a Comic Con there, and I visited that just a few days ago. And um, it's the, just the idea that this show is seen everywhere by everyone. Everybody loves it, and 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 you know you you take pictures with with you know girls that would come up completely covered in the uh, whatever you call that thing from head to toe. Yeah, burka. Burger, yeah, and say, yes, hello, can we have two pictures, please? One for my mother and one for myself. And the first one would be where your hands are just by your side and you just look really serious. And then say, okay, now for me. And then they were like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> they have to respect for one for the parent. And yeah, then exactly. The yeah. Uh, again, you know, we're all the same. Yeah, ultimately. I mean, and I think that's what's so great about pop culture is that it does – it does it unite transcend. people. Yeah. yeah, it does. I mean, the fact- also, another thing out there which was really interesting uh, because uh, it's a different culture. Um, uh, the, the comic book part of the convention was was massive, and eighty percent of the artists were women, which I found was really interesting. Yeah, because it's kind of the reverse mm. in our part of the world, right? Well, maybe and maybe that type of thing inspires people in your part of the world to go, oh, that's something that. Is has, there are no gender lines? Anyone, no, exactly. anyone can be able to do that, and that's what's so great about, you know, the fact that you're from Denmark, and I assume we're around the same age. If you reference soap, but the fact that you know what soap is, or that you know what Hill Street Blues are, and and yeah. this was in a time when there were. I mean, we had one. I had one channel on TV. It started <laughs> at six o'clock in the evening. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yeah, it's just. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, soap is. We're familiar with your pastries. It's really good. <laughs> and bacon. Jess, thank you for that. Oh, as well. welcome. <laughs> we aim to please. Oh, I, you know, I did, if you don't want to talk about this, it's totally fine. But I, I did want to ask you kind of a personal question, which is, I, I read. Oh, I can't talk about that. No, not you. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I know everything about you. Go ahead. Uh, everything. It's it's the uh, there was a there was. I read that there was alcoholism in your family, and there wasn't my family. Yes, my father. And so I was just curious how that affected you, and did you ever struggle with it, or was it like, did you have the opposite reaction of like, well, I'm never going to? Well, I, I think, yeah. I think uh, when you experience what that does to a family, and and of course to my father first, you know, he he killed himself drinking. But I, I always, it always surprises me when, when when you have an alcoholic an extreme alcoholic in your family and then you end up drinking yourself i mean for me it was just like that was the last thing i wanted to yeah to go through because i just saw the the horror of that um 
Yeah, it was. I don't know. I mean, I, I yeah. So I basically have used him as 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 a great uh, way of 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 just whatever. I wonder what Dad would do now. I'll do the opposite. Yeah, that that that's really fascinating yeah. to hear that. But I mean, and sometimes I'm also being. I I have to stop myself from being. I have kids now. Yeah. And my my oldest is fifteen, so that whole thing with the drinking and all that is starting to happen, as you know, as you do in your teens. And I have to stop myself from being too. I'm I'm very worried about that. Yeah. Which is, uh, I think, it's a natural thing as a parent, but I think I am a little uh, haunted by uh, by uh, by my my childhood. So I am trying to remind myself to to allow her to go out and. Basically, get shit faced and, and, and <laughs> make and, her own and, mistakes. Well, make her own mistakes, and and hopefully she she she'll learn from that. I mean, do you think there's something? It, do you think there's something valuable in um, protecting your kids to an extent by allowing them to make their own mistakes? I think it's very. I think one. Of, I mean, my, I have a my mother is great, and I think the the thing that she what what I think she did really well. And I don't think she planned it that way, but she had, you know, parents love their children. That's, that's always, that's, you know, that's a definite, that, that, unless they're complete idiots. But she had, uh, she always managed to have 100% respect for us, for whatever, for the human being we were. I mean, no matter what we did or did not do, she respected our choices. She never questioned or said you shouldn't do that unless you ask for you know guidance or whatever. But she was not. She's never. She's just very cool that way. That whatever you did was cool because you're a great. I love you. You're a great person, and I respect you and your choices. And uh, and that's difficult to do as a parent. I learned that now. It's difficult because you kind of, especially maybe as guys. I don't know. I only. A lot of guys have a tendency to to always know what's right. Do you know the thing? You know, you, you kind of know the answer. <laughs> Even when you don't know the answer, you right. kind of feel that you have to know the answer. Oh, yeah, right. Also yeah. as a parent. And I have to to kind of remind myself all the time that, uh, you know, just let her be. Right. Let, let my kids be. You don't know the answers all I the time. I don't know anything. No. <laughs> no, but you, we don't know anything. No. I mean, and the, the thing about, you know, also that, you know, remember when I was a kid, I remember I always thought that at one point I'll grow up and I'll understand and then you grow up and you realize I'm never going to really understand <laughs> what it means to be a human being, you know, because, yeah, you, you, you gain more experience and, 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 you know, you learn to navigate all the basics. But I'm still sometimes a complete emotional mess. Sure. And you would think I was hoping, you know, there would be a point when I grew up and then I would be everything would be fine. I would know how to deal with all these things. But but. It never happens. Well, because when you're when when you're teach, I think when you're young, you need simple answers for everything. Kids are taught in very simple, yeah. you know, this or that terms, or there's one right answer. It's it's very, and I, you know, because I think it's it's obviously it's hard to explain to young children. Well, things are complex. Oh and yeah, and I don't think you should. I don't think and you so, should. But when you get older, I think you, when you start to get older, you're just conditioned to think that there are simple answers for everything. So you go, well, someday I'm going to know what all these answers are, and then. You know, you you know, you might talk to your parents and they'll and they'll go, uh, yeah, I was just making a lot of that shit up. I had yeah. no idea. I just was trying my best, and that's the best I could do. And I don't fucking know. Yeah, but I guess 
that's why it's important to be okay with kind of falling down sometimes because that's really where the best lessons come from. Which is so true. I mean, the failure is great. Did you have a, do you have a particular thing in your life where, at the time where you go, well, this is the worst catastrophe ever, but when you look back, you're kind of thankful it happened because it helped? <laughs> I've had a few. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so glad you asked me that question. I need to talk about it. <laughs> Let's talk about it. No, feelings. I mean, I don't know. There's, there's a, million, well, a million times when you've done something really stupid. Um, I remember, as, as, you know, growing in the 20s, I, I don't know if you've ever been jealous have you ever had that experience? I'm sure you have. I'm sure, yes. I mean, I don't know if you guys have tried to be jealous. Once or twice, I try it. At a girlfriend, right? Yeah. And it's the biggest waste of time. You can, I mean, it's so stupid. Because you're so afraid to admi- admit that you're insecure. That sure. you just, you know, you just project that onto that other person. Or you yourself are doing horrible things. So obviously... She's also out there. I mean, I, mean, that, I, I learned from, from – that's one example. Or, or just things that happen that are just horrible at the moment. You think, this is – my life is over. I mean, when I was really young, I was very good at – and, you know, I wanted to be a volleyball player. I was, I, was, I was chosen to the national team. It was so exciting. And I had an injury. And I thought – I really thought my life was over. And then I realized, hey, this is great because who want to play volleyball the whole life? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like – it's funny because now I was talking to my oldest daughter and she was like – we were talking about uh, moving one day. And she was just in shock because right now in her life, the most important thing is her friend. Her friends are the most important thing. And the idea – and even then I can say, well – and I'm not going to say that. But in my mind, of course, you're going to go, listen, honey, in three years' time, you have new friends. Or, <laughs> but that's the way it is, you when know. When you go to college. Yeah, it's all friends, changes. Yeah. And then they become the most important. And, you know, but, but yeah. But it's, what's so interesting to me about that now is that I feel like most kids communicate so much via their devices. Yeah. And, you know, the, the th- my family moved a ton when I was a kid. We moved a lot. And so, uh, but at the time, I remember... Well, you could call that person every once in a while, but there was very little chance you were going to really communicate with someone ever again. But it's so easy to communicate with people now yeah. via devices, and that's how people do it anyway. It's also interesting how many people also of our generation that suddenly have reconnected yeah. to old friends or mm-hmm. school friends, and suddenly it's, you know, oh, yeah, we're Facebook friends. <laughs> and, <all that. laughs> and I don't know if that, that's probably good, but it's also... I'm coming over. What? I haven't talked to you no, in no, 25 don't come years. Over. Please don't come over. Don't please know. don't come over. <laughs> I don't live there anymore. That's not where I live. Please, please. But it's like, have you ever been to like a reunion thing? You know, I skipped my reunions and I regret it. Well, I, I really regret I was, it. I went to one and it was great and it was so much fun. And at the end of the night, we were like, we're going to stay in touch. This is so cool. And I haven't seen them since. <laughs> I haven't spoken to them since. It's and it's absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine. It's, it's you know your intentions are good. You want to no because you reconnect with something that I mean you know the, the old truth about like within two minutes people have the same you know uh, the, the the whole structure is the same you know that guy's the funny guy that guy is you know all that happened and you're sitting there you at that time we were like thirty five and we hadn't seen each other for twenty years but but you also realize when you leave uh, there's a reason we're not seeing each other yeah yeah it's not because they're bad people we're just different. Just different. different. And also life. You know, it's like you have a family, you have work, yeah. your intentions are always good, but you still kind of have to deal with whatever's put in front of you each day. Exactly. 
I'm very excited about the uh, the new season of Game of Thrones, and I'm glad to hear that you are also excited about the I'm new very, season. I'm very. I literally thought when I read this season, I thought this was the best season. I think it, it, it and I'm not just saying that, uh, I think it's, it's the nature of telling a story. When you get to the end, if it's if the buildup has been good, it's it's so exciting. And then, uh, and just, I've seen episode one, and it's uh, it was great. What do you, so when it's all over, how are you going to look back at the experience? Like, what is it? What's it going to be to you? I th- I think now you kind of realize that this is a once in a lifetime. I mean, because it's uh, you know it's so big and it's 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 so many years of your life suddenly. Uh, hopefully, I'll um, I'll stay in touch with some of the people. It won't be like it won't be like. A, but I'm sure there'll be like Game of Thrones reunions down yep. the line. Oh, there's always going to be a convention. For you well, we're going to do the variety it. show hour, the uh, Lannister variety That's, show, I love the Reiser fa- family variety. I, hour. I can't wait for that. I love it. I think and then like be it could be like in the time, uh, same time slot as the Stark variety hour. <laughs> Like, I have big plans. I have big plans for this. And also uh, the Mother of Dragons musical. Uh, that's a beautiful one. That's it's very best. pretty. That's the best part of that. The game. Have, you, have you seen the Game of Thrones slot machine? No. It is massive. It's The screen is pro- uh, the screen's probably five feet long. No. So it's like three. You're, you can If you max bet, you bet $5 a spin, and it's three separate games. It's Lannister, Stark, wow. and the Dragons. But there's a... Um, there's a dragon wild thing where just, you know, you hear it's uh, Dinklage does the narration. So uh-huh, it's cool. Like, it's like dragons are coming and then all of a sudden the dragons fly and like blow fire up the reels. <laughs> those That's are the awesome. wilds. <laughs> it's great. It's a fantastic love. That machine. might make me actually want to go to Las Vegas. It's a hoot. The orange we- is the new black one is weird. Like, why does that exist? <laughs> but uh, I played it for about an hour because it just loops that Regina Spector song over and over again. That's so I was just like, no, I'll play this. And I'm like, oh, God, less than an hour. Oh, by the way, what do you think is going to happen with, like, virtual reality? Do you think we're going to have shows where you can actually put on a, a thing and, and be in there? I think, yes, I do think we will have some of that. I, I, I think everyone, I think virtual reality. Just because reality... I know you're about to end the show, so I thought we'll yes, just, I, just I, a I... one easy question. Yes. <laughs> What's going to happen in the future? <laughs> What's going to happen in the future? And philosophically, how do you think that will affect humanity as a whole? Exactly. Um, there, there are very simple answers. I honestly think uh, I, I think what's going to be really interesting to watch is everyone is super VR. Everyone's so – you know, it's a buzzword right now, VR. I do think it will have a cultural impact and it's going to have an impact on gaming. I think it will have an impact on sporting events. And porn. And porn. Yeah, it will have an impact on porn. There's a uh, – we did a thing on at midnight where it's, this guy had on this basically like a this like it looked like a frog suit like an uh-huh. old commando frog suit and he had these like fake boobs and then this <laughs> this undulating thing that no yeah and uh, and he was oh, yes. yeah you saw that and he was in this kind of virtual anime porn and so and when I see that I go yeah well people are never going to leave their houses again. But so I think po- definitely it's going to be the end of the human race. It will be the end of the human race. Like it will be the thing that that creates the end of the human race. But I, so I think, but I don't think VR is going to be for everything because no. ultimately, VR is really cool for a minute for most things, and then after a minute you're like, okay, I get it now. You know, like yeah. it's when you're at it when you're watching a show like a live theater show. Yeah. It's fun for a little bit, but then you start looking around. You're looking at, at the other people that are in the VR shot. You're looking at the ceiling yeah. just because it's so like, wow. 
I think uh, augmented reality is really the thing that's going to have the greatest impact on our culture because that is that will change the way people interact with computing. It'll 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 sort of fold computing into our world and sort of turn us into makeshift cyborgs uh-huh. and also just change the way that people interact with objects and other humans. I think that's going to have the greatest Well, how will that affect impact. masturbation? Uh, well, you could do it in uh, just out in the open. You could just see whatever <laughs> porn you want. Like, Sign me up. On the subway, you could just see it projected with your screens like it's you know hitting the back of your retina. I was on, I was on the subway... Uh, in New York. In yeah, I read about it in the paper. It was a horrible story. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Well, you know. But you shouldn't I, do that. You really I, shouldn't do that. Listen, I, it looked them. like they were enjoying it. So I continued. Them, keep them. But I was, uh, I was, uh, it was like right around Oscar time and there was a dude that was on the jammed A train just watching The Revenant on his cell phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, really? Like of all the fucking movies, all the movies you, can you watch choose to watch yeah. on your cell phone. <laughs> you know, the, and I think that's, I think, I think the other problem with VR is that I love the work that I this well, look at this him. DP is amazing. <laughs> He's getting chewed up by that tiny bear. <laughs> but I think... Uh, oh, get him some whipped cream. There uh, it is. There it is. I get love pocket-sized Tom Hardy. <laughs> but I think uh, ultimately doesn't? VR requires a lot of attention. Yeah. And I think people don't want to have to... Like, they, they people want to do multiple things at once. So when you're... Oh, interesting. When you're watching something in VR... It takes away the second screen. It takes away the second. You might have to have a virtual second screen that you can fuck around with while you're in yeah, this yeah. other environment. Mm-hmm. So I think VR is going to be great for, for some things. I don't think it's going to get the kind of wide adoption across everything that everyone's scrambling now to shoot VR. I even shot VR a little bit for my stand-up special. And when is the stand-up special airing? Oh, well, it's nice that you asked. It's uh, April 30th at uh, 10, 9 Central on Comedy Central. Cool. And Game, Game of Thrones? It's uh, end of the month. I think April Sunday twenty fifth, fourth, yeah twenty fourth. Game of Thrones is back Sunday April twenty fourth. Yeah, uh, it was really nice chatting with you, really nice and so you. nice. How long are you in town for? I I leave in a few hours. Oh shit! Oh shit! We got you on the way to the Dubai, airport. Dubai, L.A., and then London. Wow! This oh guy, my what god! What a jet setter! What a jet setter! The 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 jet lag. It's it's wonderful. He comes. He lives it. He from a country that it's light twenty hours a day in the summer. I think he's fine. So you're you're saying his melatonin levels are different? I think he's adjusted (laughs) than everyone else. Let me tell you, the week I spent in Reykjavik, I wanted to kill myself every night to find it. Just like what time zone am I in? I have no fucking idea. Just knock me out. (laughs) Well, thanks for being here. No, it's great. It's good to see you and uh, enjoy your burrito, everyone. (laughs) The end. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show, How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them. In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.